Hello, I'm Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management and host of the new BNN Bloomberg Smart Wealth with Thane Stenner podcast, which is now available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. We also upload our, all our, of our episodes at our website at www.stennerwealthpartners.com forward slash BNN Bloomberg podcasts. So the topic of today is going to be around family dynamics pertaining to wealth. You might think that wealthy families stay wealthy for life, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, Harvard studies have shown that around 70% of all wealthy families lose their capital or wealth by the second generation, and a staggering 90% lose it by the third generation. This is often called from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And if you look globally, it's a phenomena around how uh, families that have created significant wealth, that there comes with it significant uh, level of challenge to maintain and protect it and educate the next generations. So clearly keeping that wealth takes a lot of effort, including careful state planning, difficult family conversations, business acumen, and yes, investment uh, stewardship as well. So this is our second episode, and I happen to be having the, the blessing and the, the pleasure of being able to interview somebody that is a expert in the ins and outs of family dynamics and family wealth, Patricia Saputo. Patricia belongs to the famous Saputo family, which founded Saputo Inc., a global supplier of cheese and dairy products and is probably enjoyed by many uh, North Americans today because it's one of the top cheese and dairy products companies in the world. She's also sat on the company's board of directors along with many other boards uh, currently. And she's also dedicated most of her life, uh, currently her professional life, to uh, the family office that manages her family's wealth. She started that family office in 1998 she's been a pioneer in the single family office space where she's managed money on behalf of her uh, overall family. She's also launched programs, the family wealth uh, uh, program at Concordia, Queens University, and is now the co-founder and executive chairperson of Chrysalia, a firm that's in essence a chief learning and development office for enterprising and successful families. Their whole job is to try to uh, help families uh, bridge through the generations and equip the next generations to be their very best. So Patricia, I just wanted to thank you for uh, joining me today and I'm very excited to be having this interview with you. Thank you. Excellent. So let's get started. Um, so let's begin with, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say a softball question, but a fun question. Uh, what would you say are the one or two things that you've been most proud of personally and professionally um, that your family has accomplished and why? So Thane, before I begin, I do want to thank you for having me on this podcast. And I do want to say that um, Bruce is definitely a tough fact to follow. And I congratulate you for being able to get him to be your first guest on a podcast. And I just want to make sure that you're not going to be asking me my age the way you asked him. <laughs> no, but I, I will am not. surprised, though, that we were born in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> there must be something the Connecticut stars on that one. <laughs> so, uh, so back to your question. So, I, I guess what I'm most proud of 
on the family front is, uh, you know, the fact that uh, my family had immigrated from Sicily to Canada back in the uh, 1950s, which was right after World War II. And, uh, you know, being able to be as successful as they've been over the years in creating Saputo Inc., uh, you know, to the point of it uh, going public uh, back in 1997, uh, and, you know, being able to create that a sustainability of a company, uh, which is now, you know, not just in Canada, but it's, you know, worldwide, when we look at Canada, US, Argentina, Australia, and now the UK. So uh, it, it's something to be proud of. And, and I think, you know, when they say you're, um, you try to fit into your parents size 22 shoes, and you wonder, it's like, okay, how, how can you do that? Or your family's, you know, size 22 shoes. Uh, it's not an easy act to follow why a lot of next gens, you know, are always wondering, you know, how could they be as successful? And it truly is, you know, trying to find, uh, you know, what your success is and what it means to you. So um, I think that's what I'm most proud of with my family. Excellent. Well, excellent. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so one of the questions that I think uh, comes up a lot is, you know, does significant wealth over time change people or change their outlook on things? So the next question is around, you know, has the level of wealth that's been created by Saputo going public, I think in 1997, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and it's a multi-billion dollar enterprise today. Um, has it affected how you think and relate to money today? I would say yes, of course. Um, and, in, and if I look at it, I guess in general terms, you know, we, we kind of um, had this belief that when we think about wealth, we think about our early recollections of that money talk, you know, that, that you have. Uh, and it becomes your belief system, you know, really becomes and sets the blueprints as to how you feel and uh, relate to money. <clears throat> and when, uh, you know, children have that tendency to ask their parents, you know, are we rich? And, you know, uh, what has been the response you received? You know, was it a positive one or a negative one? Was it something that you speak about or not? And has it ever been brought up again? Um, that, you know, then there's the other side of, are you an immigrant to wealth or are you a native to wealth? Uh, immigrant to wealth is usually that first generation, you know, like, you know, my parents' generation, you know, that have not only immigrated to a new country, but they immigrated to wealth because it wasn't something that they had an abundance of, you know, especially after the war. Yes, you know, they, they had the money to be able to, you know, pay the bills and do the basics. Uh, and, you know, but my generation's more native to wealth because we grew up with uh, meaningful privileges uh, in our lives. And being third generation, because the company did start with my grandparents' uh, generation with uh, my parents' aunts and uncles, um, the third generation already. Uh, we were living in uh, nice homes, we went to private schools, drove in fancy cars, went on vacation. So already kind of sets the pace as to, you know, what money is and understanding that, you know, we had certain privileges that other people didn't have. So it, it did become to a point where, you know, studying to become a CPA made me realize that there's great responsibilities that come with having wealth and maintaining it. 
And I mean, it does remind me, and, and I always tell people of the line in the Spider-Man movie where the uncle tells Spider-Man that with great power comes great responsibilities. <laughs> and I always go back to that because that's exactly what I feel. And managing, you know, the family's family office has always put me in, in that predicament is that there's a huge responsibility here. And then how do you transition that to the next generation to make them understand what wealth and responsibilities uh, it comes with it? Mm, excellent. Uh, very well said, too. Um, so pivoting to, you know, what are some of the activities today that you're doing that are bringing you the most enjoyment profess professionally and personally? So professionally, I'm giving a lot of talks and sitting on a lot of panels on a variety of conferences um, and I really do enjoy sharing my knowledge with others. I think I, it's, it's a natural thing for me to share uh, with others. Um, there's also becoming entrepreneurial. I never thought I'd be entrepreneurial as so co-founding uh, Chrysalia. And yes, I, they consider me as a chairperson. <laughs> it was either chair or chairperson. We went with chairperson. Uh, so co-founded that with five other partners. So, you know, it's been great, you know, getting to know them and, and building up on that and pioneering in a space that's actually gaining momentum. And it's fun to be a part of that. But more so uh, on the personal side, it's being a mother of three boys uh, between the ages of 25, 23, and 16, and really having adult conversations with them and, uh, you know, talking about, you know, th their future, navigating through their life, you know, their career, their business, money matters, investments, like all the fun stuff that, you know, when they're young, even though you try to talk to them about it, it's like, beep. <laughs> <laughs> But now it's interactive, the questions are there. And sometimes like, hey, mom, shush, <laughs> you know, they have something to say. So it's like, you know, let, let, let hear me out. It's not about you right now. It's like, okay, fine. And it's just amazing to have this stage uh, with my boys. Oh, fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so I know at this point, there's a couple of visuals that uh, you'll be, we'll be putting up on the screen here. Um, that kind of demonstrate some principles or things or lessons that you've personally learned in your life. So uh, if you don't mind, uh, the, the first one's gonna be uh, an elephant uh, picture. Uh, so I'd love you to kind of talk to us and the audience as to kind of what's the mean behind that. And then we'll go to the second one, which is the six and nine. So uh, mm -hmm. over to you on this one. So. When we talk about what lessons we've learned in life, for me, a major lesson has been about perspectives and, and how you see life in one way, somebody else sees life in a different way. So actually there's a fable and, and the story of the elephant and the six blind men is a very old fable and it's basically on perspectives and what happens. So in this picture, you have an elephant that's been brought to six blind men who obviously being blind have never seen an elephant before. So they all got to touch a different part of the elephant. So you see the one who's touching the ear uh, and he's saying, oh, wow, you know, this is like a carpet because it's so flimsy and you can move it around. But yet the one says, what carpet? What are you talking about? He's the one at the leg and saying, but this, it feels like a tree trunk. It's sturdy and it's hard. And, you know, the other one starts to feel the body and it says, no, it's more like a wall. You know, it's very firm and uh, hard. And, you know, while, my, while the one in the back who's touching the tail is saying, wow, okay, but, you know, this is more like a, yes, uh, um, uh, the tail is a rope. 
So you're feeling it as a rope. Like, what are you guys talking about? You're completely off. You obviously don't know what an elephant looks like. Um, then there's the one at the trunk and said, no, it's not like a rope. It's more like a snake because he's touching the trunk and he's feeling it that it's you know, um, stronger, more snake-like. And then there's the one that's at the tusks saying, no, these are pointy. It's like an arrow. You know, it, it, it's not you know, like, what are you guys talking about? Then by then the elephant walks away and the six blind men are having this argument amongst themselves and saying, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's more a carpet or a tree trunk or a snake or a rope. Uh, and basically what the moral of the story is that without putting all their information together and aligning what each one of them felt, they can get a better picture of the entirety of what an elephant is than just their individual part that mm. they actually felt. Mm. So we all need to put our stories together and especially in the family front, being at different ages, you lived life with different uh, perspectives, with different things that came at you depending on you know, what you lived through and what the family was going through at the time and what did you know versus not know, what were you told versus not told, or you just didn't think anything was going on because you were too young <laughs> to realize what was going on. Yeah. So those perspectives are very important, especially in the family realm. And then the second picture, which is the uh, one where you've got the two people standing across from each other, looking down at a symbol on the floor. You know, one looks at it and says, it's a six. And the other one's looking at it and says, no, it's a nine. And if you read the bottom caption, it says, just because you're right, it doesn't mean I am wrong. You just haven't seen life from my side. And that's so true to families and in uh, enterprising families, because there's always a different perspective. And somebody else can come in and look at that symbol and think it's a letter G and says, you're both wrong. <laughs> it looks like a G to me. So, you know, it doesn't mean because, you know, one person is right. It doesn't mean the other person is wrong. And that's why with the life we each lead and live and the perspectives that you have, it really is individualistic. And if you want to understand your family members and be able to grow together in your enterprising family world, uh, you have to understand that uh, there are different perspectives. And that's mm. a huge learning. Two great analogies, actually, and visual analogies that I think can people can really walk away with a better understanding of dynamics, whether it's in the relationships, family relationships, or business relationships. So at this point, we're going to just take a quick break, uh, just a few minute break, just to grab some water and whatnot. But we'll be back shortly. Be sure to join me on Smart Wealth with Thane Stenner, founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at Canaccord Genuity. As I connect with some of the leading global entrepreneurs about their successes, challenges, and everything in between, this 12-episode series is available on iHeart or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now. Excellent uh, first segment, Patricia. Thank you for sharing your thoughts so far. Uh, so, you know, on to some other questions here for you. So what are the, some of the things that you'd like to focus on and accomplish yourself over the next decade, uh, professionally and personally? Um, so I, I guess um, personally, it would be, I guess, my role in the single family office uh, for my immediate family uh, and looking at my succession plan. <laughs> 
and seeing how we can uh, evolve the single family office into the branches uh, and concentrate on the learning journey and how we're transitioning the wealth to the next generation and then seeing how we can potentially onboard next generation or provide them with uh, the learning journeys that they need to understand, you know, the wealth and, you know, just continue that over yep. to the next generation, which is actually in line with professionally in what I'm doing with Chrysalia uh, in, you know, getting more enterprising families, uh, the help that they need uh, to be adaptive and have the capacity to act as a family as a whole. So similar to what I'm doing, you know, day to day with my own family to bring that to others uh, as well. Excellent. Um, so, you know, I asked the same question of Bruce last month, and I'll ask the same question of uh, various guests along the way. But so, you know, what are some of the values or principles uh, that you try to bring to your work and family life each day? Hmm. I, I would say um, happiness. <laughs> For me, um, life in, with happiness is a life that has meaning. Because you find meaning uh, when you have a passion about something. And a person develops a passion with something when you're curious about a particular topic. And then this leads you to have purpose in life. Mm. And then you have to do the full circle because then once you have purpose, then you feel fulfilled and in the end brings you happiness. So yes. it just does the whole cycle. And those are the values I distill yeah. on my kids. Oh, well said. I, I've, uh, I've known you for about a decade now. I can't believe it's been that long, but it's felt very short, but. One of, one of the happiest times I think I've seen you in is fishing. Yes. Uh, with, uh, with your kids and also your husband, Angelo. Mm -hmm. um, and I must tell the audience that, you know, Patricia, you know, incredibly talented in many ways, uh, but also very sharp dresser. And in fact, fishing up on the, the north coast of British Columbia, up towards Alaska, I've seen her decked out <laughs> so well. And the fish that she was that were attracted to their boat were also super colorful. Uh, the days she gets uh, catch fishing, uh, catch a lot of fish. So um, I agree with you. It's uh, life is about experiences and also um, just trying to find that purpose, right? So 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 important. So as far as wealth goes, what are you seeing that it's providing to you today? to you, not your family, to you today in your, in your life? I have to say choices. It really gives me the choice to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and with who I want. Mm. Um, you know, they say life happens when you plan something else. <laughs> so when you're doing whatever you're doing and you know that, you know, you don't have to, you know, you can really do it because you want to. It's not mm. that thing of saying, I can't. It's really the thing of saying, I don't want and doing the things that really um, are purposeful. So I can live a more purposeful life because the things that I choose to do are things that have more meaning. And as I said before, it brings also more happiness because it's more purposeful. And I always tell my boys that, you know, if they do what they enjoy doing every day of their life, they won't work a day in their life. Yes. Yeah. They'll simply enjoy and they'll be passionate about what, what they uh, get up to do each morning. So mm -hmm. the only, the only investment related question, given the fact the topic is around wealth, um, task of you and you don't have to give specifics per se but you know if you're investing for example 10 million dollars today 
what areas or sectors would you deploy to and why? And, and I'm asking this because, you know, as, as CEO of your family's investment office or family office, you see a lot of things, you talk to a lot of people, you're kind of in a nexus of information. So I, I'm just really curious as to, from today, looking out the next decade, kind of how would you deploy that amount of capital in percentage terms? Okay, that's a $10 million question. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, today you're, you're hearing a lot more about people, you know, being socially impactful and how they invest. You know, there's all the ESG, the environmental social governance side of things. There's so many different things, you know, uh, that we're seeing cybersecurity, cyber attacks, you know, what's happening with cryptocurrency, what's happening with you know, quantum computing in the future. Um, there's so many areas that, that are new and that we see have been coming to the forefront a lot over the past um, couple of years. And I think COVID has exasperated things even more so and has brought them more real and COVID itself uh, because of the environmental issues and the uh, medical side and things like that. But when I look at investments, I like to look at investments uh, in looking at investing in people because I uh, invest alongside people who know what they know and what they're uh, best in class in and the industry that they know uh, best because I can't know all the different industries and all the ins and outs of everything that's going on out there. So it really is looking at the right team, the right people who know industries to invest alongside them. And I just have to say, my 10 million is on Bruce Linton. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to enjoy listening to that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely an extraordinary entrepreneur, no doubt. <laughs> Um, so that's the one bet. That's that's, that's kind of where you'd go. <laughs> one okay. bet. It's on Bruce. Okay. okay well, well, he's done you know, well for us in the past. Yeah. yeah I don't so, doubt he won't do well for himself in the future. <laughs> I would. I would agree, and I think that's a very good point. So, I think at this point, what we'll do is we'll take another quick break and uh, grab some water here, and uh, we'll start back up in a few minutes. Be sure to join me on Smart Wealth with Thane Stenner founder of Stenner Wealth Partners at Canaccord Genuity. As I connect with some of the leading global entrepreneurs about their successes, challenges, and everything in between, this 12-episode series is available on iHeart or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now. Excellent. So we're back after the break, and I'm with uh, Patricia Saputo here. And uh, about only a few questions to go to finish off this podcast, but uh, this is where we get into the even meatier stuff. So have some fun. Um, so Patricia, in your, in your professional career and, and life, what, what have been some of the hardest lessons that you've learned along the way and how have they affected you? And I, I, I realize this is a, you know, it's a public podcast. So I get that, but uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, everything I've observed in, in my career and just with people that I've dealt with, everybody goes through challenges of different types. And if they say they don't, they're either lying or they haven't ventured out their front door very much. So, you know, what would you say, what would you say have been some of the hardest lessons that you've learned personally and professionally? So um, the one that comes top of mind or the first one that I think about is um, having lived life with the last name that, it's, that is eponymous with a well-known 
cheese manufacturing company uh, that I find has been it has been both a blessing and a challenge in my life. A blessing because you know the name has been very reputable and it was associated or it is associated with high quality uh, products and uh, you know great success. But a challenge uh, because people just assumed my life was easy and full of opportunities and um, and and also that they felt that they knew who I was. Um, and the branding of the company uh, that is, you know, is associated with success uh, and quality and uh, high expectations, uh, it, it brought high expectations also for the family members. Um, so you have to kind of, you know, break it down, uh, the assumptions that people have made about me, and uh, not everybody is comfortable to do so. Because of my professional background, I was able to, you know, take that and let people know, you know, this is who I am. I'm a professional. I, I, I don't know about milking cows and I don't know about making cheese. And I don't know because people just assume you're farmers. And it's like, well, no, that part is left to the farmers. And we buy the milk from the farmers. We bring it, you know, to the company. Then the company has, you know, the people who make the cheese. My father was a cheese maker and he knows all about that. For me, it, uh, it wasn't that. So that to me was the hardest lesson. Uh, you know, the other one is, you know, in terms of the perspectives that I was talking about before, it's also about the different hats uh, that I wear, uh, you know, so I'm not only, you know, the daughter or the sister, or the aunt or the mother, I, I'm also the professional, the consultant, the tax advisor, the estate planner. And uh, sometimes I felt that as I'm talking to different family members, they're seeing that family hat on, but really I was talking with the hat of a professional. And, uh, you, know, you know, something as simple as, you know, as a tax planner, uh, we have this ability of paying out tax-free dividends from our investment holding company through what we call the capital dividend account, the CDA. And, uh, you know, when my parents agreed, oh, yes, that's a good thing to do, declare the dividend. So my thing was, okay, on what class of shares? Because the investment holding company has different classes of shares. So when they look at me and they say, well, what do you mean what class of shares? I go, well, who's going to get the dividend? Now they're not seeing me as a tax professional anymore. They're seeing me as a daughter who's trying to get a payout. <laughs> like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not looking at this as, but I have to, you know, write the, get the resolution done to say, you know, the, the dividend is being paid out on what class of shares because it has to go uh, to minute book. So it's that whole, you know, professional side of things. So, you know, th th that's one thing. And then the last thing I have to say, it's about that the hard lesson is about uh, transitions. Transitioning in many different ways is where us as humans find ourselves in the most vulnerable state. Thane, did you know that lobsters could last forever? Apparently in their DNA, they have something that, that, that makes the cells mutate in a way that they could last forever. But what makes them at their most vulnerable state is when they get too big for their shell and they have to shed it. At that moment, they hide behind a rock. They try to make sure the predators don't see them or smell them because that's when they're at their most vulnerable state. And what happens is, uh, or, or if they get fished up by a great uh, fisherman, um, but those transitions, those uh, vulnerabilities in a family as a family member goes through a vulnerability in their own life, whether it's medical, uh, you know, it could be anything, that's when they need the support the most. And if the family could be there to protect them, then that's where they can come out of that vulnerable state being bigger and stronger, no different than the way the lobster, once they come out of that state and they get their new shell, they're bigger and stronger. So those uh, transitions, uh, vulnerabilities are the most important 
times where a family needs to be there for each other uh, and to know how to grow purposefully together uh, and help each other out because that's what at the end of the day families want it's to just help each other move up and um, uh, work better together as a cohesive group. Again, very well said. Uh, so, you know, you, you mentioned, I, I was just getting tired even listening to how many different hats you have to wear. So, so how, how do you mentally train yourself to shift between different roles within a family construct, within a family business? Are, are there little tricks that you mentally say, okay, do I say a certain thing? Do I think a certain thing? How do you do that to help frame the discussion? Well, I've learned that I needed to, uh, as I'm having conversations with people, I start by saying, I'm talking to you as a sister, I'm talking to you as a consultant, or I'm talking to you as a tax professional. So I frame uh, what I'm going to say. Sometimes in uh, as the conversation goes, you see that something's been misinterpreted and it's like, okay, um, what just happened and how did you take it? Remember, I'm here as the tax consultant or I'm here as a professional, you know, because sometimes it's like, I might be able to do that, but has the other person understood that position? So it is very important to always go back and frame what you're mm. saying, why you're saying it, so the other person mm. doesn't misunderstand. It's not easy. It takes a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't mastered it, but uh, it, it, uh, it's important, I find, uh, for people to understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, uh, I've met your family many times, and you've got four wonderful sisters, uh, siblings, and they're all uh, doing great things in their own right, and, and also your parents. So I can see in a, in a successful uh, multi-dimensional Italian family, <laughs> you'd have to really try to learn that uh, skill set very well. So, um, so just maybe on a personal note too, um, what are maybe one or two things about yourself that very few people know about you? What would you, what would you say you could share that um, people don't necessarily know about you today they want to share um what i will go with is um that i was a ballerina not many people know that i was a ballerina and at age 11 i actually won a scholarship or received a scholarship from les grands ballets canadiens which is the well-renowned uh, montreal-based uh, dance school um, and uh, with this story, this is going to go back to, I guess, my name being eponymous uh, with the company name. When I went for my first interview with a CPA firm at the time called Clarkson Gordon, I remember being interviewed by this partner who uh, saw my name and saw, you know, I was starting to become a CPA and was looking to get a job at the firm. And he had asked me, you know, well, what have your interests been when you were younger? And I said, well, I've always enjoyed dancing and I've always enjoyed, you know, uh, and then I got a scholarship for uh, the Grand Ballet Canadien as a ballerina. And he says, so why haven't you continued your um, dance career? And why didn't you, you know, continue with the Grand Ballet Canadien? And why didn't you, you know, whatever, rather than becoming an accountant? And I was like, okay, where's he going with this? It's like, at that time, I had no idea how much money ballerinas made, if they made, you know, much or not, whatever. And I'm thinking, but how am I going to pay my bills on a ballerina salary? <laughs> I mean, why is he even going there? I was so confused. And I think only later on in life that I realized 
that you know he was basically saying what I have learned uh, over the years is that with wealth comes choices and you can choose to do something different. Uh, and if your career was more in ballet and you know there's that other side of, of life where the arts and the culture side of things you know is what people need as their downtime and if that's what I was more inclined to do then why did I go into accounting because was I pushed to it was I anyways long story short I obviously didn't get the job at Clarkson Gordon <laughs> I don't think he thought I was going to continue that route and I, I don't remember the man's name but I wish today he can see what I've accomplished because I think I've done a lot more as a CPA tax professional than I would have done as a ballerina <laughs> <laughs> very well said so that last question for you today and that is um, you know if you can tell our audience about your latest business endeavor which is Casalia like why you co-founded that business and uh, what things that business as a chief learning and development office for enterprise and families, what are you really trying to accomplish for your clients in that business today? So Thane, you hit on it in your introduction. Casalia was created to find a solution to that phenomenon of shirt sleeve to shirt sleeves in three generations, hmm. or what we call the rule of 92, or that you refer to in your statistics where 90% of the families don't make it past the third generation. So it's exactly for that reason that Chrysalia exists. Uh, as a chief learning and development officer, as an office or CLDO, it's basically an addition to the C-suite. So you would hire families have their advisory group of CEOs, CFOs, CIOs, whether it's at the family business side or at the family office side. So where most of these people are professionals in the financial world, none of them are professional in the human and social capital side. And that's why the CLEO brings the family down a journey, not just individually uh, to know themselves as people, as individuals, but to know themselves within uh, you know, their family and others, but also to know themselves within the context that they live and work. Hmm. Uh, and and um, when we talk about family members, you know, which is the most important asset that a family has, it doesn't show up on the balance sheet, but it's like a resource. And if you don't work on that resource, it could get depleted and become obsolete. Hmm. So then how do you help the family with its wellness not necessarily with, with its wealth, because there's enough people out there that are proficient in the wealth side. There's not enough people out there that are proficient enough on the wellness side. Mm -hmm. So uh, wealth is only, uh, it's, it's just a means to an end. So in a nutshell, uh, it's a trusted advisory team to the family. It helps each family member along their own family journey and the journey of the family as a whole as they set their objectives. Uh, and it's about transitioning, you know, that to multi-generations and each of their roles evolve over time. So as I mentioned earlier, depending on the age of the individual, yes, when they're younger, they think one way, but in their 20s, it's different. Then they get married, they have children, then what? Then they're older. I'm now, you know, looking at my succession, my role is uh, evolving and transitioning. So you would not hire a CIO one time to help you with your asset allocation and your investment strategy and present it to you and say, here you go, good luck. And if you have any questions or if the markets are frothy or volatile, give me a call. <laughs> well, why would you do that 
for your CLDO. You're not going to hire them on a one time. So Casalia is there on a contract basis on an ongoing because your family resource, your family talent pool, your family members are constantly evolving as they get older with different needs and different things that are going on. So why not be there for them on an evolution process as their markets are frothy and volatile because of whatever's going on in a human's life, which we know is never consistent, but yep. to help them along their journeys and guide them as they go through that, those transitions, as I mentioned, those transitions are the most vulnerable states. How do you help them and help the family come together so that they can help each other out and come out stronger at the end to achieve the objectives the family truly wants, whether it's being a legacy family or distributing everything out. I use the uh, golden goose example where you know you have a golden goose that's been giving you golden eggs for all these years. Well, you can either choose to keep the golden goose and distribute out the golden eggs to your family members, or one day you might say, you know what, this interdependency of this golden goose as to who has to take care of it, feed it, house it, you know, do whatever, you know, we're all fed up. We don't have, you know, we don't want that anymore. We don't like this interdependency that we have and the dependency on. So why don't we just have a feast and cook that golden goose, have a huge feast, enjoy it, divide everything up and move on. And then this way I can come to the table when I want to, not because I have to. <laughs> so no right or wrong answer. It's whatever you feel is right for you and your family. And then there's you know, many times that families prune the family tree because they say, okay, these are not the ones that are thinking the same as us. So do we need to prune or not? And what happens to those transitions as you prune? So Quisalia truly is there to help the family along, uh, not only the family's journey, but each individual family member's journey. Mm. So in Italian terms, it sounds like Casalia is kind of like a concierge, concierge, in, sorry, in, in, yeah, in, in Italian terms, in that they're coming along as a trusted advisor to help through transitions and through challenges and the good times and the bad times. So, I mean, I think it's an invaluable service that you've, uh, and company that you've launched, Patricia, and you're, you're I know uh, one of your other partners is extremely gifted on the uh, uh, human behavioral side of things. Um, so I, I wish you very well in that endeavor because I think Caselia will have a, a growing audience over time. So Patricia, thank you. I wanted to sincerely thank you for your time today, uh, for sharing, uh, for being uh, a little vulnerable in some of your answers and whatnot, but also sharing some of the things that you've learned along the way. And to those that are listening, um, I just wanted to, you know, encourage you to uh, take a look at our first uh, podcast with Bruce Linton this session and also pass along to any friends or people that you think might enjoy it. But I wanted to thank you, Patricia, once again for being a wonderful uh, guest and uh, have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye bye for now. Thank you. The comments expressed in this podcast are the results of work done by Stenner Wealth Partners. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity Corp. and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice, and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views 
views are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or general needs of any particular person, organization, or institution. Canaccord is a member of the CIPF.